0: good morning i'm so happy to see you all this morning go ahead and stand with us we're going to worship nikki and gabe are i believe in texas um, taking a bit of well-needed rest and hopefully relaxation Um, so i'm filling in and i just hope you'll join us with smiling faces and uplifted hands this morning Lucky to have a God that says, Bring me your failures and your addictions. Amen. Amen. I believe we have a call to worship this morning. Yes. All right. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Amen.
1: same guy. To pray, to glorify, glorify the name of all names. That nothing can stand against, and I choose to pray. To glorify, glorify the name of all names. That nothing can stand against, and I choose to praise To glorify glorify the name of all names, that nothing can stand against, and I choose to pray. and G
2: and worship this morning, I want us to remain in that attitude of worship, and we're going to enter into a time of prayer, and um, I just encourage you this morning to enter into this time of prayer um, just open to the Lord, and this morning I just wonder if any of you or if some of you just need to come before the Lord and and just let Him know what you need this morning. What is it that you need from him? And what is it that you want to uh, share with him? What is it that's on your heart this morning? I just want to encourage you to come before the Lord open and honestly and just allow the Lord to meet you where you are today and trust that he is enough to give you what you need. Be honest. This is for whatever reason it's just what's on my heart this morning is we're not just showing up here out of duty or obligation. Right? You don't you're I hope you're not just showing up here because it's what's expected of you or it's just what you do on Sundays and you know, it's working so I'm going to keep doing it. I hope that you're showing up here because not only you you love to worship with your community and you need your faith community and you need to be able to see people and share with people and talk to people and walk through life with people. But I really hope you came here to encounter the Lord. And we can do that anywhere, but, but I hope you showed up here this morning open to what God wants to do in your life and how God wants to bring you closer with your faith community and how God wants to move in and among us as a people. And so let's just enter into this time of prayer, fully open and fully transparent with God. And these altars are always open. You know that, but I want to remind you of that. You can pray right where you are, but perhaps you just feel compelled to step out this morning. Just step out in faith. And and as we're going to talk about in a few moments, just say before the Lord, here I am. And for some people, that works really well when you step out and you come forward and you just say, here I am, Lord. I'm not staying put. I'm not staying where I am. I'm not going to do the same old thing all the time, but I'm stepping out, and I'm saying, here I am. What do you want to do in and through me today? Let's pray. God, I want to just invite you into this space, into this moment God, I just want to be open. I want to be open in your presence this morning. God, we know that you are here. You are in this place. We know that your Holy Spirit is is in us but we know god that your presence is here we know that you are faithful to meet us where we are and so we are grateful this morning that you are here that you are in this place and that we can come before you as tenise said we can bring it all before you that you invite us to come as we are and god some of us come before you this morning overwhelmed. Some of us come before you this morning carrying heavy burdens that that feel impossible to bear. Some of us come before you this morning feeling weak and and weary. Some of us come before you this morning feeling anxious, maybe some depressed, depressed, It's easy to hide those things from each other. But God, we know we can't hide those things from you. And God, I just pray that in this moment we would pause and and that we would share what it is that's on our hearts this morning. And God, we wait and we invite you to meet us where we are. So just be honest with him. What's on your heart this morning? Tell him. Name whatever it is that you are dealing with. Maybe there's a person. Maybe you're carrying someone else's burden this morning. Tell him about it. God, we come vulnerably before you. No hiding. We're coming before you, open and vulnerable, and we're sharing what it is that we're carrying. For some, we're just simply inviting you to come and meet us where we are. Just come. Maybe there's not a particular thing we can name, but we just invite you, Lord, to come. Come, Holy Spirit. Speak to us. Be near. Help us to be aware of your presence. God, this morning I'm carrying on my heart my fellow pastor on the Illinois district, Pastor Rita Briggs. And God, I just pray that as her health is failing her, as she is placed on a ventilator and is in ICU this morning in the hospital. God, I just pray that you would draw near to Rita, that you would be with her, God. I can't imagine she's been sick for for such a long time, been dealing with various health issues, and I just know she's got to be feeling weak and weary and just overwhelmed with how her health is failing her. And so, God, I just pray this morning that you would draw near to her. God, would you be with Rita? Help her to know that your presence is with her. God, I pray that that she would know that she is surrounded in prayer and in love, that you would be with her family, her kids, her grandkids. God, we are praying that you would touch her body and restore her health. We pray that in the name of Jesus, who is powerful, who is able, who sees her, who cares for her, who loves her. Lord Jesus, would you touch Rita this morning? Would you help her to know that you haven't left her side, that you are with her? In this very moment, may she feel your presence and know that she's not alone God, what's on my heart is this week for the Illinois district is our 7th our through 12th grade camp, and God, I pray for all of those junior high and high schoolers who are, who are getting ready to go to camp for the week. I pray for our own, for, for Bo as he takes Dominic to camp, one of our students. God, I, I just lift Dominic up to you, and I pray, Lord, that you would continue to move in his life. God I just I trust that you're doing something in his life and and it's it, we're seeing it very little by little but God I just pray that that you would continue to move in his heart and in his life and in his home and I pray that this week as he as he goes to to camp and is removing distractions and everyday life as that's all kind of placed to the side for this week God I pray that you would do an amazing thing in his life God, I just pray that, that somehow through only the power of your presence and through the, the teaching of your word and maybe the fellowship with other students, God, that you would just show him, give him a glimpse of you that he hasn't seen before. And I just pray that you would meet him there, meet all of those hundreds of students there, Lord. And I just pray that you would be with our teenagers, it's really easy to feel like our teenagers are ill-equipped to handle the world which they are in, but God, I am just so much more hopeful in you and what you're capable of doing. And I know that that this world feels increasingly troubling, and and I know that we carry burdens that we're worried about for our young people, and and that's that can be okay, that can be used for good, but God, I, I trust that nothing is new to you, nothing is surprising to you, and that you are fully prepared and ready to move in the lives of this generation, and you are ready to meet them where they are. And you are ready, Lord, to to call them, to equip them, to embolden them, to help them to faithfully respond to you. And, And God, you are ready to call them to faithfully live for you. God, I just pray that you would prepare hearts, that you would open their hearts, that that if they come open before you, that they would experience you in such a special way. God, we would, I pray that we would open up our hearts. I pray that our hearts would not be closed off and cold to the ways that you are moving today here in this place and, and in the lives of our young people. And I pray God that as we see them, that, that we wouldn't feel negatively about them, that we wouldn't question them or judge them or, or try to figure them out, but God, that we would just be open to the ways that you might be moving in their lives. And maybe, God, you want to teach us something in the midst of that. God help us to be open. Help us to to enter into this place with an openness that we're asking for our students. I guess, God, what I'm saying is we are desperate for you. And if we're not, would you help us to be? If we are not more desperate for for more of you, God, would you just touch our hearts? That's all we can ask of you, Lord. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can say. It's only through your power, through your presence, and through your Holy Spirit. So, God, we invite you to come. Come, Lord Jesus, Open our hearts and speak a word to us this morning. We love you. We worship your name. We lift your name on high, King Jesus. And we pray all of this in your name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Before we uh, jump in this morning, I just have one quick video for you guys. From the city, America. I am proud of our village. I am Scottish. Life is pretty anonymous. I know most folk. You don't trust strangers. Always say hello. I am an individual. We are family. I'm always on the move. We believe in being rooted.
3: I believe in the written word. Get it in writing. The spoken word can be trusted. I can't remember my own phone number. I know where you live.
2: <laughs> and somehow that's not creepy. I just love it. <laughs> Well, that video is a good bridge from last week's topic to this week's as we uh, last week entered into this new summer sermon series called Godspeed. Um, Last week's message is going to kind of flow into this week's. This week's was kind of a part two to the particular message uh, from last week. I shared with you last week just a quick overview for this series. And um, just to kind of remind you, or for those of you who weren't here last week, um, we are in this series called Godspeed. And this series is based on a short film, a 30-minute film, kind of like a documentary, but not so officially um, a documentary. But it just follows the story of an American pastor Who goes over to Scotland and and he spends a couple, I think it was two years, pastoring this small local Scottish perish. And in the process, as he's opened himself up to a new way of viewing ministry, a new way of, of living in community, authentic community, he walks away with this ministry mindset completely changed, kind of flipped upside down, if you will. That's a phrase we use frequently, and I think that's what happens. He compares his his fast-paced life of ministry in New York City to this much slower pace in, in this little town called Methlik. And, and he adopts some of these practices that are helpful and that are healthy. And it was important that I tell you this again, I shared with you last week that this is not a call to pick up and leave the city and move to a a small town, country place where things are slower and quieter and adopt an entirely new way of living. That's not the purpose here because this pastor, Matt, goes back to New York City, right? And so that's not the call, but the call is to live at God's speed, And to live at God's speed means to be open and intentional to the ways that God is moving in your life and how God is calling you to live in this place with these people in which uh, you are, are with. And so last week, we talked about, we looked at this story in Genesis chapter two and three of Adam and Eve, and we really focused on this first question that God has for humanity. And that question is, where are you? Where are you is the first question that God asks of humanity. And we talked about this aspect of hiding, which we are all tempted to do. We talked about how it's much easier for many of us. There's always exceptions, I think, but for for many of us, maybe for the majority of us, we find that it's easier to live a life in anonymity to hide behind a facade or to hide behind an image. And there are a lot of reasons and ways in which we are tempted to hide. We talked about how we are tempted to hide from God because we are often overcome by some kind of shame or guilt. We're often tempted to hide from others because, let's be honest, it's just easier. It's just easier. It's less messy. I don't have to deal with other people, and it's just easier to hide and to not live openly. And we talked about how we're tempted to hide from culture because culture, uh, we just simply cannot recognize it, right? We, we simply cannot recognize this culture in which we live and we feel like any kind of spiritual or Christian effectiveness is hopeless and therefore we are tempted to just shut, out, shut ourselves out from the world and to just hide because it's all hopeless. And we talked about how we are compelled to come out of this hiding. That God is also asking this question of us, where are you? Don't you see all that I want to do in and through you? Don't you see that I am inviting you to come out to to come out of hiding, to live openly with me and in fellowship with me and with others? And, and I want to share this quote again that I shared with you last week from scholar and author Eugene Peterson. Oh, this is such a beautiful uh, word that he says. He says, there is no place without potential for unearthing holiness. So Beautiful. God is doing a new thing here and now, and we are called to step out and to be open to how God is using us and how God wants us to live life with others. And so I I said earlier, this theme is going to kind of carry through today's message, and there's this theme throughout this series that's kind of undeniable, even though we won't talk about it specifically every week, and that's this theme of knowing and allowing yourself to be known. It's being willing to know other people, and, and all of that entails the messiness, the hard, the broken, and it's allowing yourself to be known by God and by others. And so we're going to continue this today, and I was really fascinated to think about the fact this week as I was studying and preparing that in the ancient world, privacy wasn't much of an option. Have you ever thought about that? Have you thought about that recently? That in the ancient world, people didn't have the luxury of living private lives. Much of their life was lived in community with others, whether they liked it or not. I think there's a case to be made that it was definitely a healthier way of living and that maybe they wouldn't have it any other way. But I think that it would be extremely foreign to us today who can easily build up higher fences, and we have garage doors, and we cover up the windows, and it's easy for us to just hide and live in our own private places. We can move far out into the country and and totally isolate ourselves, but people in the ancient world didn't always have this luxury. They simply, you kind of knew what was going on in their life, and they knew what was going on in yours, and there wasn't this luxury privacy of privacy and the exception here was with the rich or the royal and the rich or the royal they could have privacy if they chose and I think most of them did because that's much more appealing there's no accountability There's no oversight. The rich and the royal and the powerful can live however they want, and no one can tell them otherwise, and they don't answer to anybody where a community is held more accountable. They're accountable to one another. They live like a family, but the rich and the royal, they did have this luxury of privacy. I I was even struck to think about the fact that oftentimes the rich and the royal, their servants, because they had them, were often deaf or mute to ensure their privacy, right? Because we don't want any of that. Whatever it is that's going on behind closed doors, they, they would protect that privacy. Whereas the regular folk, they just lived publicly with everyone else. And, and again, I don't think that was necessarily a bad thing. Now, let me just clarify. This morning, the call is not to just, you know, have no privacy in your life and to live with everything open and let it all show and let it all come out and and just share every last little uh, private, intimate detail with everyone. That's not the purpose of what we're talking about today, right? But we're talking about, we're going from this question that God has of where are you to this call to come out, to step out, and to be before God, open and vulnerable, and to be before one another, open and vulnerable, and to say, here I am. No hiding, no building up walls or higher fences, but here I am. And we see that proclamation in our passage today. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 3. And in case you need a little bit of a of a refresher or a backstory, I want to remind you the story of Moses. Moses was a Hebrew and he was born he was a Hebrew baby. And and at this time when Moses was born, there was a a rule in place put there by Pharaoh who He was intimidated by all of the Hebrews that were growing in number. And so he puts out this decree to have all Hebrew baby boys killed. And so Moses' mother risks his life in hopes of saving it and and sets him out to to sea on this little river. And he comes and he finds himself in the presence of Pharaoh's family. Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses and she brings him in. And Moses grows up in the family of Pharaoh. Moses grows up as an Egyptian. He's a Hebrew who is essentially putting on the clothes of an Egyptian, and he lives his life in royalty. He lives his life in in freedom to do as he pleases. And and then we read the story that that one day Moses just realizes how unfairly his own people are treated, and he is increasingly overwhelmed and bothered by the oppression of his own people. And so he steps in, he intervenes, and he accidentally kills an Egyptian who is um, abusing one of his own Hebrew people, and he is overcome with shame and guilt. And so he leaves Egypt and he flees into an unknown place, unknown to everyone else. He flees and he goes into the land of Midian as we read. And that's where we pick up with today's story. And so I'm gonna invite you if you're able to stand as we read from Exodus chapter three, starting with verse one. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, The priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord, or also understood as the presence of the Lord, appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through the bush, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. This is the word of the Lord. Are you thankful? Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So here's Moses. He escapes. He, he runs out to, to live a life uh, that is completely separated from this life that he's known in Egypt. And he, he runs out to this wilderness place, and, and he's in this town of Midian, and he clearly marries. He settles down. He creates a new life for himself here. He marries. He has a family, and he's now, as we read, caring for his father-in-law's flock and it sounds to me like compared to the life that that moses had just fled especially that that situation that drove him away it sounds like he has made a pretty good life for himself here right As I was just kind of picturing Moses' life here in Midian, and I'm just picturing him caring for the sheep, that I'm sure there's chaos, and and I totally do not know what I'm talking about here, right? I have no credibility at all, but, but tending to sheep, for the most part, just feels like it would be a peaceful job. Every job has its moments, and I'm sure it can get a little out of hand if a sheep runs off and you have to go find it, certainly, but... But it just seems like a a peaceful life, which Moses was living. Here he is in this new place with a new identity. He has this family. He's caring for his father-in-law's sheep. And suddenly he finds himself in the presence of God, in the presence of Yahweh. He is aware of whose presence he is in And he's being asked to do something. In case, again, you're not familiar with the story, as the story goes on, God is asking Moses to go back to Egypt to deliver his people. God is saying, I've heard their crying. I have seen their oppression. I have seen that they are crying out to me, and I'm going to save them, and I want you to go and speak for me. And I just picture Moses who, as we read, is clearly processing like, what does this look like for me to go and do this thing? I'm not even confident in my ability to speak before Pharaoh. But I also wonder if Moses is thinking about this life that he's made for himself and if there's any kind of wondering of giving that up to go do this really hard thing that God is calling him to do. I have to imagine that there are moments where Moses is just like, I don't want to do that. In fact, as you read the story, at one point he begs God to send someone else. I appreciate that audacity, by the way. Moses and God have this thing where Moses is just honest with God, and I think God appreciates that. He says, please just send someone else. That would be much easier for me, for them. Send someone else. But ultimately, as God is speaking with Moses and God speaks some hard truth, right? He lets him know like, hey, who is it that's calling you? Who is it that's given you the ability to do these things? Who is it that's actually going to be doing these things, right? And ultimately, we see this beautiful transition as Moses goes from being a little skeptical to going from, from that to being in this place where he completely opens himself up to God, And ultimately, he's opening himself up to Pharaoh and to an entire nation of Israelites. I really appreciated uh, scholar H. Junia Pakrifka's quote on this. She says, Moses moves from a place of obscurity in Midian to a place of prominence and visibility in Pharaoh's court, which is not only his previous home, but also the greatest center of political power in the ancient Near East at the time. Now, I want to remind you of something important. This is not about location. Don't get hung up on the location. Just like we weren't talking about how we need to abandon the city life to go out into the country and live a smaller, simpler life. If you want to do that, that's great, but that's not the call here. And so today's call is not to move from your quiet, small-town life to the political capital of a nation. Right? That's not the call here either. It's not about moving from one place to another. It's about living at God's speed, being open and present and intentional to where God has you, where God is calling you, and with those who are around you. Presence is key. And presence is what we're talking about today. It's presence. Being open before God and willing to say fully, here I am. And Moses, aware of the one in whose presence he stands, is in this moment fully present before God. And we know that because of this phrase that he says, here I am. See, this is a really unique phrase. And again, I was just fascinated to learn more about this phrase this week. I was captivated by what this phrase means. Oftentimes you learn the, the, in this case, Hebrew meaning or root of a word, and that's fine, and sometimes it's not very earth-shattering. It's just a word, and this is the word in Hebrew. But like last week, we talked about how this question, where are you, was one word that expressed deep concern and care. This phrase, here I am, is also one Hebrew word, and I want to show it to you. Oh, yeah, talking about presence. Here I am. And I want to show you this, this Hebrew word that's, that I don't know, I'll probably butcher it, but it's hin and it means here I am. Again, one word for this, this phrase, here I am. But the thing that is so important and powerful about this phrase is that when this phrase was uttered, it expresses total presence, It's not just, oh, I'm over here, or like Moses, oh, hang on, I'm coming, or I'll be there, or I'm here, but it's, oh, here I am. It expresses this this total presence, opening yourself up completely to the one who is calling you, And, and I think certainly that has spiritual aspects, like opening one's heart, but in this case, it goes beyond that, and there is this physical, practical implication that is involved when Moses says, here I am, all of me is here. I am completely open to you, God. And we see this throughout the Old Testament in various places. I was reading this week that that when biblical people responded with here I am to God, it immediately involved them, not only fully in what God was calling them to do, But it involved the people around them. It involved the places where they lived. Does anyone else find that as fascinating as I do? That there was so much that was communicated in this phrase, here I am. Just a refresher, I was thinking about Abraham. Abraham utters this phrase to God, here I am. And look what God does through Abraham. Jacob says this phrase to God of course Moses and then later we see Samuel says this phrase here I am there was a little bit of confusion on who was calling him but he was fully present and open to Eli or God and then we see this with Isaiah too I was really curious about this one because Isaiah is is famous for saying here am I but it's the same phrase I went and checked because I'm that person. I was like, ooh, is it the same Hebrew word? And it is. Isaiah, little variation, but Isaiah was fully, here am I, send me. And you know, I was thinking about this with Jesus, and I was thinking about how, sure, we don't have record of Jesus uttering this phrase or this word, but I thought about how Jesus' entire life was lived before God and others, and it always meant his total and complete presence before God and others. He doesn't have to say it. That's how he lived his life. His life was lived completely committed and open, and he gave his complete presence to God and to those around him. Jesus, faithfully, relentlessly, tirelessly, although I'm convinced it wore him out sometimes, He showed up faithfully every single day with a here-I-am approach, ministering to one person at a time, with one word at a time, one deed at a time, just faithfully showing up. And to tie this all together, I think it's interesting to consider the fact that Jesus, again, the product of an ancient society where people are living their lives publicly, the ways that Jesus showed up faithfully, Every single day didn't just impact a person, it impacted an entire village. And so if Jesus moved in a powerful way in the life of a person, it impacted the entire town or village. I thought about the story of of when Jesus heals the demon-possessed man. And, and, and all the pigs or the demons go into this herd of pigs and all these pigs, and that just impacted an entire community. And in this case, it was negative because the entire town responded and said, would you just please leave? Like you're, you're impacting our economy and that's freaking us out and it's making us frustrated, so would you just leave? Sometimes there were negative consequences. But Jesus faithfully and relentlessly showed up every single day with a here-I-am approach. And here's what I want to say about all of this and how it's relevant for us. As I said last week, I recognize our context is not the same, exact same as Moses. I would be willing to guess that most of you, maybe all of you, none of us is being called or commissioned to move to the most powerful political place in our nation, right? Maybe you are, but I highly doubt all of us are or many of us are. But I would suggest, and I really want you to hear this, I would suggest that perhaps one of the most difficult things for us, and maybe even for us today, is to be fully present before God and being fully present before others and the holy ground that is beneath our feet. I think it's really easy to miss what God is calling us to do because we're not open And it's really easy to to fail to live life authentically and in in community, even though I think that's how we were designed. And it's so easy to miss the, the ways in which God wants to move in our lives here and now. I think we are truly afraid sometimes that it's downright scary for us to be vulnerable, to be authentic, to be exposed, to live openly before God and before others. Because what might it mean for us? I think it's so much easier for us to just hide, hide behind our, our doors and our homes and, and to live in anonymity, refusing to give up any of our privacy for the sake of being fully known or fully loved. And I think there are some pretty reasonable reasons why. I understand the reasoning for us. I, I think a lot of us are afraid of, of being rejected, but we don't live openly and vulnerably before God or others because we fear rejection. And maybe some of us have a good reason to fear rejection. I think some of us are, are afraid of being misunderstood. Maybe we're a little bit afraid of being judged. I've had so many conversations with people, with individuals who are maybe 20, 30 years older than me and so often those conversations are filled with regret that they weren't taught how to live openly and vulnerably with their faith community they grieve how there just wasn't a safe place to be open and vulnerable in the church i'm talking specifically about in the church and so there's this i think maybe looking at the ways that millennials sometimes often mess in a very messy way live open and vulnerably And I think that few are willing to admit it and acknowledge it, but they do. And it's always heavy-hearted, filled with grief that we just did not create space for that in the church. And we have an entire generation of Christians who are mourning the fact that they don't feel like they can live openly and honestly with their faith community. And friends, that is a problem. That's a problem, and I think it can change I don't think it's too late, but I do acknowledge that that's one of the fears and why we don't live openly before God and before others. I think some of us are afraid of accountability because living your life open before God and before others requires you to be accountable to someone, and we don't like that. I want to live my life the way it's comfortable for me, the way I want to live. I want to make my own choices, and I don't want to have to answer to anyone. And if I live a life in community, I'm going to be held accountable, especially in a faith community. Accountability is important for all of us. Friends, I need to be held accountable. I need a safe place where I can share and be questioned and have others question where where my heart is and what God is doing in my life and maybe even being willing to point out what I'm missing or what I'm failing to see. We all need accountability. We just don't like it, and therefore we we live portion of our lives out in front of others, but we are a completely different person when we're in other settings. I think some of us kind of going along with that are are afraid of having to confess and to acknowledge what needs to change in our life because that's hard. It's really hard. And maybe there's some who would just say, I don't know what real love and community looks like, and I'm just afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid because I just don't know what that looks like, and I don't, know if I'm ready to commit. But friends, because I keep coming back to this, because I see where we're not, fit, not fully living into this, and it's not just here, I think it's in the church, big C, I am more and more convinced that we were not meant, we were not created to live our lives autonom. what am I trying to say, in anonymity or on our own. Right? We weren't created for that. We were meant to live in community with one another. We were created to know and to be known. And I love how this story where Moses sets this example for us. He offers up his whole self before God, proclaiming, here I am. And what I love, as we, as we kind of draw to a close, what I love here is that we see that we have a God who doesn't hide himself either. That we serve a God. We serve a God who doesn't remove himself or hide himself from us. Even though he doesn't owe us anything, he doesn't owe us a glimpse of himself he doesn't owe us anything, and yet he shows up and reveals himself and gives glimpses of himself. He's not distant or hiding. I think a lot of times we just aren't ready to be in the full presence of a God who is ready to show up. He's like, you're just not ready for it. I don't know. But I think that we see here that we we serve a God who is present, who doesn't hide himself. In this instance in particular, God tells Moses, I've heard the cry of my people. I've seen their oppression. And he knows them and he listens to them. As we read in this story, God looks upon them. He takes notice of them. He draws near to them and he rescues them. Friend, that's not a God that's living and hiding. That is a God that is living openly, presently with his people. And so I guess the main takeaway today Isn't it amazing that presence, both God's and ours, has the ability to change lives? Isn't it incredible to to see what presence can do? The presence of our holy God and the presence of us willing to show up and say, here I am, it can make all the difference in how we live this life. You have Moses minding his own business, taking care of his father-in-law's sheep when his presence before God and God's presence changed his life forever and changed the trajectory of the nation of Israel. And this God is so present, so present that Moses has to take off his shoes and hide his face. That's how present this God is. And that same presence is before us. It it manifests in a different way, sure. I'd love to see a burning bush here, but there's not one. But the presence of that same God, the same presence is still here today, and I believe it still beckons, it still calls. But the question is, will we show up and say, here I am. And you can't say that phrase and not mean it. You've learned that now. You're not ignorant anymore. You know that if you say, here I am, you got to show up. Total and complete presence. Don't say it if you're not going to do it. If you say, here I am, you have to be ready and willing to show up fully and completely. So I say again, you guys, I've done terrible with this. (laughs) I'm always, oh, no, we're good. I didn't miss anything yet. But I want to say again, isn't it amazing how presence, both ours and God's, has the ability to change lives forever? I'll close with this. Um, The film Godspeed and then the study series, which I've been going through myself. In this series, there's this prominent theme throughout, and that is this theme of a parish, and a parish is simply, <laughs> there's two different parishes, right? It doesn't just mean to die, but there is this essence of this parish, which is a physical land, a physical space that binds people together. It's this little pocket of people that are committed to one another, and so Belleville, this Belleville is, is large and wide, but this little, this little place here, this BFCN community, this is our little pocket of Belleville and other surrounding communities, this is our parish. These are our people. These are your people. And if you can't show up fully and presently with these people, then friends, I just wonder who is it? Do you have it? as I'm saying that, I'm reminded that I've talked to some people too who say, you know, I felt more welcomed walking into a local bar or pub than I've ever felt in the church. And we can laugh because it's funny and awkward, but isn't it sad that that's true in some cases? That a bar or a pub where everyone knows your name, that's the most comfortable place where you can just show up and be yourself, The church ought to be at least on the same level (laughs) as that, right? Where you can show up, everyone knows your name, and, and you're ready to be known by these people. Friends, if the church isn't that place, we're doing something wrong. We're missing it. And something has to change if that's the case. And so this is our parish And so throughout this series, they talk about how this parish building in this little teeny tiny village of Meslick, much like other church buildings and communities, had hourly bells that ring. You know those hourly bells? I love being in a city or a town or a place where the church bells go off every hour. I think people who live there maybe don't love it so much. But I love that. I, I just love that. And, and then I learned this this week that for this particular community, this little village, Methlic, every time those bells would go off, would ring every hour, some way, in some variation, people would essentially pause and say, Here I am. Isn't that beautiful? even if they didn't say it out loud to one another, although I wonder if they did, there was this intentional pause to just be present before God and before others, saying, here I am, I'm present, I wanna be present, here I am before God and before others. And I love this, and, and I wonder, even if we don't have our own church bells, right? we don't have our own church bells, I still wonder what it might look like or what it might take for us to be more intentional about more intentional, intentional about pausing regularly and in some way saying to both God and others, here I am. What would that look like? What would it take? And if that's you know setting a little reminder on your phone, then maybe you should do that. Maybe you should. That's the that's the thing from last week. This is a mess. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's the, that's the practice from last week. This week's practice is to, if you're up for the challenge, to set an alarm to go off on your phone, to go off regularly. You get to choose how often it goes off. But when it does, it's so that you can respond and you can be open and intentional and say before God and maybe before others, here I am. How might our presence before God and before others, impact the lives of those around us. I'm going to ask the praise team to come, and as they do, I want to share this video with you all. You guys might have to play it back there. I don't know if I can make it work.
3: running from house to house cops were kicking in doors trying to find me i was living on the streets i grew up in the inner city my mom had been to me when i was young so it always just been me and my pops my pops relationship was hard he was physically and mentally abusive that did a lot to me as a freshman in high school i was skipping classes smoking weed and popping pills i was just nowhere near god and i didn't know anything about god my friend kept inviting me to church and youth group and I will always say no. I was walking on the plaza with some friends one night, up to no good. When Pastor Jenny pulled up, she asked if we wanted to get in and go get some ice cream. She seemed open and nice, so I decided to go. I was coming to youth group in Pastor Jenny's living room every now and then. Something felt different there. It was peaceful. I was finding my way with these new friends, but I still found myself getting in trouble. I felt like I was always ready for something to pop off. Me and my homeboys would never sleep, just wait for something to happen. Two days before New Year's Eve, I got shot up. I didn't want to live like that anymore. I said, I'm not going out for New Year's Eve with my friends. I'm going to go to Pastor Jenny's house. My friends thought I was crazy. I got saved that night, 1201 January 1st, 2020. I felt God calling me to more. The old me and the new creation it was unreal man i was so locked into god but it still wasn't easy i found myself kicked out of my house and running around with the same friends on the streets cold and hunger had robbed people to make ends meet the cops had been looking for me and i had two warrants out for my arrest i got caught and i was taken to jail i was facing a 10 to life sentence going to jail showed me there weren't that many people there for me Pastor Jenny was there and had called my legal counsel to help with my case. While sitting in jail, I started to read the Bible and pray. I knew God was calling me out of this life into a new one. I wanted to tell people about him and how he had changed my heart. And I was called to full-time ministry while sitting in my cell. After 27 days in jail, I was released on house arrest. Pastor Jenny had done so much to help get my charges dropped. I remember when we found out the charges were going to be dropped. I got off the phone with Pastor Jenny and start crying. I felt blessed to have all my charges cleared, to have a chance at a new life. Over the course of a year, my dad recommitted his life to the Lord and started coming to church. It has helped our relationship a lot. I serve on a worship team and helped Pastor Jenny with the discipleship group on Mondays. I serve on the board and I am on staff at Total Life Church in the Nazarene. I'm also taking classes at the Nazarene Bible College to become a pastor. I know there are people looking for hope, just like me and even worse. I know there are others in my community, people that need to know there's more.
2: won't say much more, but I um, am overwhelmed by the presence of the people in Marvin's life. And I, what I'm even more compelled by every time I watch that video is that they continued to show up even when his journey to Christ, to living a full surrender life before Christ, it wasn't, it wasn't a straight line. Right? There were times where he wavered, life got hard, and he didn't know how to handle it, and so he wavered. But one thing never changed, and that was the presence of Jenny, whose name you heard multiple times. Friends, I, as we go into this time of reflection and response to God, I want to ask you again, isn't it amazing to think about what can change when we offer ourselves fully before God and fully to others Don't you see how presence changes things? And so, God, as we enter into this time of reflection, I just pray that we would be given the imagination. God, help us to see how important presence is. God, before we can go and change anything, I think it's crucial that we pause and respond to your goodness and your faithfulness. And as we remind ourselves, as we recall how faithfully present you've been in our lives, may that compel us, may that overwhelm us to go from this place and to be present in the lives of others. God, we pause in this moment to respond and to worship you. Amen.
0: You can stand or you can stay right where you are, talk to God, worship Him.
1: you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up till I made my hand, I will see of the goodness all my life you have been faithful and all my life you have been so so good with every breath that i
2: I want you to leave this place knowing that you serve a God who is present with you. And I hope that you can testify to his presence and his goodness that you have seen in your life. And now I say to you this morning with love, go in his peace, go in his grace, and go and be willing to be present before God and present to those who God has placed in your life. Be open to the ways that God wants you to faithfully show up. Live in community with others, even when it's messy, even when it's hard, even when it seems like it's not doing any good. Be present and trust that God is with you and God is moving in your midst. You are loved. Have a great day.